0: The word of the Lord. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And I will give you new heart and new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Thank you, Steve. Praise be to God for that word. And we're going to pray, but uh, before we do, uh, we had something this morning that we can't miss as family. And that is, we have the privilege of raising these covenant uh, children to the best of our ability to help them, right? And we forgot to say, are you there to help us? So no hands were raised, and we can't miss that. So for those covenant kids that we baptize, for those of you Orangewood members, will you... Promise and covenant before God to the best of your ability to assist these parents to raise these children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. If so, will you raise your right hand. All right, there you go. There's a lot of support for y'all. Awesome. Let's pray together. And Father God, we just read what your son Jesus, our Savior, said is the greatest of commandments. And that the whole law and all of the prophets hang on these commandments. That everything in your word kind of hinges right here. So, God, it is so clear how much we need insight this morning. If these commandments are so important that they're labeled the greatest, God, would you come and would you be teacher? Because there's no greater teacher than you. Father, we thank you for your word. Would your spirit open it up to us? Would you give us ears to hear your voice? Father, would you shine your light into our dark minds so that we can understand? And Father, would you do that which only you as a triune God could do? Would you perform heart surgery today? Would you remove our, our heart of stone? And would you give us hearts that believe, hearts of flesh? God, would you so love us that you'd empower our feet, that we could walk in newness of life, that we could walk in obedience to this great commandment, so that we could bring you glory, so that we could experience your joy. Father, the things that I say that are true and contain the good news of Jesus, use those things to make us more like Jesus, our Savior. The things I say are wrong or merely my opinion. May they quickly fall away and be forgotten. We pray that you and you alone receive glory. But we receive great challenge. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A genius. How many do you know? A genius is one who's able to take uh, those profound things, those deep things, and and make them simple. He's, He's one who's able to grasp the complex in such a way and slow it all down or parse it all out and say, here's what it really means. That's why we love Tim Keller so much. I don't know if you were here Tuesday. If you were, it was amazing. Uh, Tim Keller, PCA pastor out of New York City to see his genius right here in the pulpit. I hope he left some for me today. It's amazing because what Tim could do is he takes those things that have top shelf value I mean, those things in God's word that are so deep and so rich and so true and so life-giving. And he's able to put them on the bottom shelf for all of us to kind of grab and understand and embrace by God's grace. Well, Jesus, the ultimate uh, genius, was being tested. As Steve read the text, I don't know if you saw it, but he said the Sadducees, uh, some religious folks had already been silenced. The Pharisees were now trying to test Jesus. Now, get the picture that we just read in Scripture is here we have an assembly of religious folks, but they're not there to worship Jesus. They're they're there to test Jesus. They're, They're there to see if He really knows His stuff. And so what they ask Him is, they ask, which of the commandments is the greatest? I mean, these folks were so religious that they looked at God's law, they looked at the Old Testament, and they said, you know what? There's 613 commandments. They knew them all. They wanted to say to, to Jesus, hey, which one is the greatest? Really, what they were saying is, summarize this for us, Jesus. Summarize all of God's word. And amazingly, Jesus says, He says, listen, when you look to the law of Moses and when you look to the prophets, and He's taking all of Scripture that they had at that time, and He says, this commandment is so important, it's so great that everything, it's like, hangs on this. He said, basically, like this is a peg, you know, and you put a peg in the wall and you can hang something from it. And that peg or that that hinge where everything turns. This is what Jesus says, this greatest commandment that all of God's word hangs on this one commandment or these actual two commandments. So how important is it for us to get these? I mean, if Jesus is going to be able to say, okay, 66 books, let me parse it all out and let's break it all down. Let me show you the genius that comes from God being God. And let me tell you what it means. He says this. It all boils down. You should love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And in another passage, is included, he says, and with all of your strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself, when Paul was writing to the church in Rome, he says this in Romans 13:10, he says that all of the law is love is the fulfilling of all of the law. Love fulfills it all. Sometimes we come to religion, we think it's all about love, but no, it's not all about law, it's not. It's all about love, because God so loved us, He gave us law. But we don't love him because of the law. We love him because he first loved us. But he summarizes this whole thing. He says, if you want to get Christianity, if you want to get life, if you really want to understand what it's all about, it's all about this thing about love. Love me with everything you have. Everything hangs on this. Paul would say this to the church in Corinth. Without love, everything is nothing. I mean, you could be smart. You could be religious. You could be philanthropic. You could do all these things, but you know what? If, if you're missing love, you're like a, a gong that just makes a noise. Love is what it's all about. So for the next five weeks, because this is the greatest commandment, because everything hinges on this, we're going to bore deep on this. We're going to say, okay, God, what does this mean? What are you telling us? And each week we're going to look at what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, as we're going to start. Next week we're going to look at what does it look like to look, love Him with all of our soul? What does it look like to love Him with all of our mind? What does it look like to love Him with all of our strength? And lastly, what does it look like for us to love our neighbors as ourselves? Since all hangs on this, this is most important. When I was growing up, we had a painting in our house of Jesus. Maybe you had the same painting. I bet you some of you had different images of Jesus. And I bet like you, uh, I bet like me, you probably were influenced by those paintings. They probably told you stories, especially as a little kid, who Jesus was. And we had this painting, pretty big painting. It's a nice painting. Uh, it was a painting that drew you in, and it was a painting of a, a very gentle Jesus. And this Jesus was standing before a, a door. Door didn't have any handle on it. Uh, door, maybe in some kind of garden kind of setting. And you had this very nice looking Jesus very gently knocking on the door, and really in so many ways that shaped the way I understood Christianity at the time. See, I was told that Jesus will stand at our door, the door of our hearts, and he will gently knock. That this Jesus is a Jesus that hopes that you might let him in as he stands there and gently knocks. I was told that that Jesus was a gentleman. And gentlemen don't barge into your house. They they wait to be invited into your house, and he had to be invited into your heart. And unless you invited him in, there he stood, on the outside of the door, rap, 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 rap ever so persistently, ever so gently, ever so lovingly rapping on your door. This kind of mindset of Jesus, this kind of thought with Jesus, was reinforced with a song we sang. Now, there was an Emily Elliott song. She wrote it way back in 1864, kind of Civil War era. And she wrote a song that says this Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. Now, the title of this, the uh, hymn is There is Room in My Heart for Thee. Anybody know it? Anybody singing at it? Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for Thee. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So really, early on in my life, the, the question about being a Christian was a question about vacancy or occupancy. The question really was, is there any room in my heart for the guy who seems to be endlessly knocking at the door of my heart? Is there room in my heart for Jesus? Kind of kind of was asking, is there kind of a spare room? Do you got any room in there? You know, kind of like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to open the door. There's a spare room down in the back corner. Uh, you can move some of your stuff back in there. Uh, you can move in over there. And, and once we make a little room in our hearts for Jesus, uh, maybe we call him out of his room. When it's time to eat, hey, Jesus, uh, hey, we're about ready to eat now. Can you come and bless the food? Come out of your room and come on over here. Let's bless the food. Or, or if, a, if a real storm in our life came out, we'd say, Jesus, come out of your room. And uh, come into the storm, and would you speak in a way that would calm the storm of my life? And really, for the most part, there's this mindset growing up, and I love Jesus, and I'm not trying to rip on it, but there's a point here coming. Was basically, Jesus, there is a little bit of room in my heart for you. I would like you to come in. Don't make a mess of the whole place, though, please. And I will call you when I need you, but when I don't need you, it's okay if you're not that close around. I got my space, you got your space. How much room is available for Jesus in your heart? I think many times we live our lives saying, yeah, there's room in here, but not too much room. You know, I I got a lot of other stuff. So do you. A lot of things that kind of pull at my heart. Growing up, we had exchange students come into our house. It was a great experience. All over the world, we would have uh, certain months where we'd have someone come into our house and live, and and we called them family. They called my mom and dad, mom and dad. We were their brother or sister, and um, you know, we would give them the spare bedroom. And I remember this one kid from New Zealand, Michael Troop. Nice kid, but you know, he was kind of a recluse, and His room was his room. You never went into his room. And by the way, if the door ever opened, it kind of smelled, to be honest with you. I didn't want to go in there. And it was, although he was there, it was like, there was always a guest. Never really comfortable. Kind of like he had his space, we had our space. Is it that way with Jesus? You see, for a long time, When I read this passage, and it said that we need to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the greatest commandment. Here's what I thought we gotta make more room in our heart. It's not enough that He's in the back corner, it's not enough He's got the spare bedroom. So for a long time, my thought of loving God with all my heart is i got to clear out stuff. i got to take stuff to the goodwill. I mean, it's not stuff that I really want. I mean, stuff that I could get rid of and make a little bit more room for Jesus. And if I have a little bit more room for Jesus, I will love him a little bit more. But I think God has something so much larger. You see, under a closer examination, loving God with all of our hearts, and listen to this, under closer examination, loving God with all of our hearts isn't a question of vacancy or occupancy it's a question really of propriety who owns your heart who is the owner of your heart is really what is ultimate here who is the rightful owner because wouldn't you agree that the owner decides what comes or goes in your heart something you go home right now after church and you show up and someone's in your garage emptying out your stuff and they're saying, hey, you know what? You got a bunch of junk in here. I got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all of this stuff. Who are you? Hey, Put that down. I, I might use that light bright later. Just put that down. That's important stuff to me. You have no right to come in here and tell me what I could keep and what I can't keep. Because why? I own it. It's my stuff. If you'd like to help me rearrange it, absolutely. Want to help me clean up? Maybe. But you see, the owner has the right to determine What comes or what goes. Scripture is very clear to us about our hearts naturally apart from Christ. Naturally, without Jesus, there is no room in our hearts for Jesus. And there is no desire to make room in our hearts for Jesus. Our hearts, when we're born sinful, according to God's word, by nature we're children of wrath. You ready for this? By nature, our hearts are in enmity with God. And some of them say, no, no, that's not true. I'm a pretty good person. I'm a pretty moral person. Listen, compared to God's holiness, compared to where He is, that is what Scripture tells us. We, by nature, you ready for this? Have hearts of stone. Hearts of stone do not have any room for Jesus. The issue is much more than just occupancy. The, the issue is much more than just vacancy. The heart issue of natural man is in much more critical condition Is can you make a little bit more room? You see, to love God with all of our hearts, if you want to follow along in the outline, to love God with our, our hearts requires a heart transplant. We need a new heart. We need a new owner. And it's what God says. You cannot love God with our natural heart. That's why the prophet Ezekiel told us some amazingly good news that God says, I am going to give you by my grace for my glory a new heart. Your old one won't do it. And I'm the one who's going to do it. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Listen, isn't this good news? What God requires, God provides. What God requires, God provides. He requires us to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He requires us. That's the first thing He requires of us. That's our greatest duty is to love God. And He is so loving and merciful that He's going to give us a heart with the ability to love. You see, God so loves, He gives. You see, God so loves, He gives. You see, God so loves, He gives. He gave His Son. He gave His Son so His Son, who had a heart for sinners, could give us His life. And through giving us His life, He could give us His heart a new heart that loves God. It's called the heart of flesh. Listen, we can't love Him until He gives us a heart that enables us to love Him. So in reality, in reality, in regards to our salvation, listen, I think a lot of you were like this with me. In reality, Jesus doesn't really stand gently at the door of our hearts and knock. In reality becoming a follower of Christ, becoming one of the members of His family, it's not Jesus gently knocking. It's Jesus, through the power of the Word and the Holy Spirit, doing open-heart surgery. Doing radical change. Saying, I'm going to take that which was dead and make it alive in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you this question. This is a very important question. If I am the one who opens the door to Jesus, who's the hero? If I'm the one who opens up the door to Jesus, who's the one who is wise enough to actually open the door? If I'm the one who opens the door to Jesus, who has the power? Think about your own door. What power do you have? You know, someone comes, uh, there are a bunch of guys with white shirts, driving bikes, wearing ties. I know what they're doing. Not opening my door. Here they come. I'm going to open my door just a little bit. Yeah, what do you want? You know, if you are the one who opens the door, you have the control. I'm going to let you in. Maybe to my foyer. Maybe to a back bedroom. But if he owns it, he's got the control, right? I mean, isn't it really kind of arrogant that we would put ourselves as the one smart enough to answer the door, doesn't it give us the hero status that only Jesus should have? The one who opens the door is in control. Loving God, listen, this is what this this whole thing means. This is what you cannot miss today. Here it is. Loving God with all of our hearts is an ownership issue. It's an ownership with your hearts. Jesus owns the deed to our hearts. They're twice his. He has fearfully and wonderfully made us in his image. And if we are in relationship with him, he has given us a new heart. If you are here today and you love Jesus, you have a relationship to Jesus, even if it's as small as a mustard seed, that's a gift from Jesus. Gift. You did not have the authority, the ability to even open the door. It's all by God's grace that you even know and love Him. Gift. Gift. He's the hero, not us. He owns it. He's purchased us. Listen, our hearts are twice His. He's not only created it, but He bought it. He said, I'm going to give you a new heart, and here's what it's going to cost me. My life. I'm going to hang on that cross and I'm going to bleed out my life and my blood to cover your sins. I'm going to robe you in my righteousness so I can make you completely new with a new heart, a new life, a new creation. Make you mine. It's His, He owns the deed to the heart. You see, we don't ask Jesus into our hearts, we don't have that authority. We give Jesus the rightful ownership of our hearts. That's what it is. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart? You're saying, it's yours. It's rightfully yours. Who am I to say where you can go? We give Jesus the ownership, and this is fulfilling the great commandment. And the reality is, there's no closed doors in our hearts where Jesus can't enter. We host a lot of folks at our, our house. It's a great deal. I love that. Love having you all come in. Uh, but you guarantee you come to our house, you're going to find some doors closed. Because heaven forbid you open one of them up, you might get killed with the stuff that's going to crash around you. You know, we just sweeped everything out of the way that you can't see. We got some closed doors that you're not supposed to see. Because too much of life and too much reality, too much of the Jake's junk are behind those closed doors. And I know you're dying to open them. <laughs> and if I see you open them, We've got issues. But I think when it comes to Jesus, we got some closed doors in our hearts. Jesus, come into my heart, Lord. Jesus, there's room in my heart for you. But really, there's some doors in there that I don't want you to go in. Just stay away. Just keep clear of these things. These things are private. These things are are, are, are my things. But if Jesus owns our hearts, we have no right to close any doors to Jesus. He's the one who owns them, right? I mean, He's the one who's given us these hearts. No closed hearts. And you know what the goal of God is for our hearts? You ready for this? You know what the goal is for God giving us a new heart? Here it is. The goal is is that your heart will be like Jesus' heart. No questions about it. You want to know what God's doing in your life? He wants to make you more like His only begotten Son. He wants to make you more like Jesus. He wants you to give Him the rightful heart that is His and let Him do with it what He would like to do. What he would like to fill your heart with and what he'd like to break your heart with. I mean, loving him with all of our heart is acknowledging his ownership and just realizing that God, you have the right to bring in what you bring in. You have the right to break it the way you want to break it and continue to break it and continue to remake it. And sometimes we want to say, "God, what are you doing? It hurts so much. Why does my spouse have cancer? Why can't my spouse find a job? Why why are my kids going this way? What is happening with my life? God, what are you doing? Can you go back to a closet in my heart? We give him our hearts and we say, loving you with all my heart is giving you the right deed. This is yours, Jesus. Do what you want. Mold it and make it to be like yours, Jesus. That's what you want to do. You want to know that? That's loving him. Is that hard? Oh, man. Let's, 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 just, let's just talk turkey, Orangewood. I mean, really, don't we just kind of want Him to have a part of our hearts and maybe a little bit more love to Thee, oh Jesus, more love to Thee. But let me still have that deed in my hand. And let me still tell you who stands at the door. And let me tell you where you should go. And let me tell you what should come in and what should go out. And Jesus says, I love you so much. The only way you'll truly be able to live, the only way you'll truly be able to love is you fully give it to me. Let me have it. And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus is going to reshape our hearts so that we could truly live. He came to give us life and life abundantly. He didn't come just to ruin our lives. He didn't come to just to say, you don't matter. We fully live when we fully live for Jesus. Do you believe it? You fully live when you fully give your heart to Christ. And say, do with it as you will, Jesus, because the safest place I could be is right in your hands. They're nail pierced. I won't always get it. I won't always understand it, but thy will be done. Once God gives us a new heart, it's called the heart of flesh. And then we can love him. Let me ask you this question Who owns your heart? Who owns your heart? Have you surrendered it to Jesus? Let me ask you this What doors in your heart are closed to him? It's an ownership issue, folks. Then, once He gives us a new heart, we need a heart that beats for God, a, f- a heart of flesh, that loves God above all else. Listen, there should be no idols in our hearts. There should be nothing in our hearts that competes and compares with Him. In comparison, the way we love God, there should be no rivals. And I think the biggest rival we have, Saul Cruz said it just two weeks ago here in the admissions conference, oftentimes are our kids or our families. We take those things that are amazing blessings and we make them rivals with God. He said, nothing should compare to the way you love me. He's ultimate. It's true. Don't let His blessings rival His being. Don't let His blessings, the things He's given you, rival who He is. Do you love God above all? Above all. If not, repent. But the second part of that is this, the a love, a love that loves all in light of God. I love Japan. Why do I love Japan? Well, my wife went to high school in Japan because she went to high school in Japan and her family fell in love with the culture and we got a bunch of Japanese stuff around our house. I fell in love with Japan because she fell in love with Japan. And the one I love, I love the thing she loves if I really love the one I love, Right? And so if we really love God with all of our hearts, guess what? We're going to really love the things God loves. And what does God love? Well, Micah 6.8 tells us this. He says, For I have shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Here are the things that God loves, that you are to act justly, that you are to love mercy, You to walk humbly with God. Basically, God is saying, if you love Me with all your heart, you should love everything because of Me, in light of Me, of of giving you a new heart, of who I am, this new creation. You should see the whole world differently. You should see it through My love and through the way I see the world. And, And now, you should act justly. Jesus says, if you love Me, you'll keep My commandments because My commandments reflect who I am. If you're in love with Me, you will do justice. And if you love me, you'll weep over injustice. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you wept over injustice? When's the last time? I mean, maybe it was in school with you students, or or maybe it's on TV. When was the last time you saw injustice and you couldn't help but cry because you know that God does justly and you know this is an abomination to Him? Do you love mercy? When was the last time you wept over the lack of mercy being shown? Do you love mercy? Do you walk intimately with God? Is there an intimacy that you have with Jesus? Have you ever shed tears over your sin? Have you ever shed tears over just your coldness to God? When I think about the things that God loves, one of, the, one of the heroes of our time is a guy named Tony Campolo, and what an amazing week at Orangewood. Michael O here last Sunday, man, he lit it up. Not only that, Tim Keller was here on Tuesday, unbelievable. Tony Campolo through our school was here on Friday, and when I think about doing things that God loves, I think of Tony Campolo, he's a, he's, he's a little bit odd, and he spits a lot when he speaks, but I do too, so we have that in common. And I'm telling you what, he told story after story about injustice that made me weep. He told story after story about mercy not being shown that made me weep. He told story over story to say, Is there intimacy with you and Jesus? And I'm not kidding you. I I had to leave here, I had to walk to my office, I had to get on my knees, and I wept. I said, God, I I don't love you enough. My heart is so cold, it's so hard. I just don't love the things that you love. Come and do surgery again. Does Jesus own your heart? Give it to him today if you don't. He's not there knocking. He needs to do open heart surgery. He'll lovingly and graciously do it. Do you love anything above him? Are there any doors in your heart that are closed? Are you loving everything in light of him? Listen, if this is the greatest commandment and we're breaking it, it should lead to the greatest repentance, right? If this is the greatest commandment and we're breaking it, it should lead to the greatest repentance. Say, God, forgive me for thinking I own my heart. Forgive me for the things that I love more than you. In closing, God so loved, He gave. He gave us Jesus so we could have a new heart. Now listen, 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 you got to get this. You can't miss the Gospel. Jesus did love the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus did. And Jesus died for all of us who didn't. And now God wants you to go live your life loving him, knowing that he sees you in Christ Jesus. He owns your heart. Don't leave here, just head down in guilt. Repent if you need to Repent. But know that if you are in Christ Jesus, you are beloved. Because there was one who loved God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he gives what he earns to you and me as his children. Isn't that grace? And he gives us his heart. Go live in love and love in that kind of freedom. You see, the painting that I loved really should more have been Jesus in the OR. Jesus in the OR taking out our heart of stone and in giving His life, giving us His heart of flesh. You see, the hero is Jesus. Not you. Not me. The hero is Jesus. It's all for His glory. Amen. Let us pray. Father, come and do heart surgery. Remind us that it's not about clearing out a little more room for Jesus. It's about giving him his rightful deed, say it's all for you. Take our lives, let them be consecrated to thee. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and sing.